0: God is on the move in our midst in all kinds of ways. Hear the word this morning from Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and into all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. A cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Come Holy Spirit, teach us again. Pray these words wouldn't be my words, but they may be your words and you will bless and guide and sweep us up in your courtship of the world. Faithful God, amen. Amen. Hey, I love the Blue Angels. Do you love the Blue Angels? When they're here, and the Blue Angels are flying around and they're souped up, you know, IndyCar versions of aviation, you know, race cars. <clears throat> it is a blast and it is literally a blast. It is loud, isn't it? I remember one year, I think it was on Cairo or something, they, they actually had the audio from inside the Airbus's plane as he was directing from his jet the rest of the guys in their jets, in their collaboration choreography of their air show together. And what the boss would do, the air boss would do, when they would accelerate into an, an altitude climb, you would hear, what you would hear him say over the, over the radio was power, right? Power. Only he would go power and they'd all go together like this and then he'd go break and then they'd break and they'd come down again and do their thing and they'd come up and he'd say "Pa," You'd hear him over the, over the intercom go to his guys pow and break. And there was this amazing choreography of power and um, kind of an aerial dance with these world-class jets going hundreds of miles an hour and it was all about listening to the boss <laughs> And doing what he said when he said it. And these guys, when they prep, it's not just guys now. I think there's a, a, at least one woman involved in that in the Blue Angels now as well. But they would sit in a room and they rehearse. They go through all their moves, you know, in their minds mentally before they go out there. But I love that image of power, and they just go. Well, then the early church had its power, and it is a power, but it's not necessarily like we think. Stay tuned for that. Our passage, though, begins before we soar in the church. We hear about a guy who Luke calls Theophilus. Is a real guy, and there's different theories about who he is, but... We get an early clue about the power of God and what God's power is all about just in this guy's name. Because the name Theophilus, the name you hear at the beginning of this passage, the name means dear to God. It means dear to God. We could say in a way that the whole gospel is summed up in this guy's name. The whole mission summed up In the name of the guy that Luke, the writer of the gospel of Luke and the writer of Acts, addresses Acts to. Theophilus, dear to God. Theophileo, dear to God. Friend of God, dear to God. All humanity is dear to God. You are dear to God. That's why the church exists. That's why our heavenly father sent his son Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. To save us. Do you know that? Do you know to your core how dear you are to God? You and I, we are Theophiluses. We matter. And we're here to tell others the same. And our lives, our missions of our lives are about living toward the world in that dearness that God has toward us. And in God's seeing the world as dear to him. Verse 3 tells us also more about the power. So it's a power that moves toward love. And it's also a power that moves toward suffering. Verse 3a, after suffering, he presented them, he presented himself. This is talking about Jesus. He presented himself to them. It's easy to skip over that. But there is a love that is where this power goes is toward love and holding people dear through suffering to get there. It's a suffering love. Again, now we're already getting a clue as the church gets launched out in power that this power is going to operate a little differently. This dunamis, not a jet engine, cool and awesome as that is, But it's the Holy Spirit's engine that propels us to sacrificial love, suffering love in the way Jesus did. Now, there's only one Jesus, only one Messiah who atoned for the world's sins. But we're called to follow him. And we're promised in following him that in the victory of his suffering, we too have victory. But he says in 3a, Luke tells us in verse 3, after his, Jesus' suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he is alive. So this power of love moves toward God's people, toward people who are dear to God through suffering with life on the other side. That's a big clue right away of how this power operates. After dying to hold us dear, he lived to hold us near. After dying to hold us dear, he lives to hold us near. Whatever pain or struggle you're in, whatever hardship you're in right now, and some of you are fighting battles that you share, some probably holding them close and maybe not sharing them with many, be assured that Jesus's pain and struggle sweeps yours up as well, sweeps yours up and holds it, includes it. It says he was pierced for our transgressions, he bore our iniquities, and he came out on the other side. So to include you, to hold you dear, he went to hell and back, died, rose again, and now lives. He lives for you, for me, on the other side of suffering and pain. And that means we can too. And that promise can break into the now. Have you seen it? I heard about it yesterday. We were spending time with some dear family members who had just, they they retired. They were missionaries in Asia for years. And this couple is now retired, but the man still speaks the language he spoke over there. And he does language work here in the Northwest. And he flies back and forth to Asia sometimes where he to where he used to work. He was actually imprisoned over there for a time as well. Well, he told us a story. We had lunch with him yesterday. These uh, My wife's brother's wife's parents. Anyway, they're great. They just came back. He just came back from Asia where he was visiting the people in the setting he used to serve. Is Jesus still alive? Yes, we heard about it yesterday. Does Jesus still come through suffering? Yes, we heard about it yesterday. My brother's father-in-law, the retired missionary, told us one day when he was in Asia last couple weeks, he heard about a man who was known in his village or town to be extremely angry and even violent. And the people in the local town in this part of this Asian community, they didn't know what to do with this guy. He was so violent and dangerous. And it came up to the authorities. And it came to the point where they were even considering executing the guy. The local authorities were because he was so difficult. They didn't know how to handle him. But then some Christians in a nearby town got involved. And they began to see him as dear to God, as a Theophilus, right? Call him Theophilus, this Theophilus of Asia. And they shared the love of God for him in Jesus Christ. And as this man experienced being beloved, he began to change. And he still has his struggles with his aches and pains and asks for prayer, he asks Jill's brother's wife's dad for prayer and in this conference he went to, but this man has been loved, loved out of his violence, out of his anger, and into the family of God. Jesus is alive. He is still at work, touching lives, touching the life of a man who is about who is who is maybe nearly going to be executed by authorities. And instead now, he is experiencing his belovedness as the child of the ultimate authority, God himself. This is mission. This is how the early church began. This is how the church continues on in that mission. Sharing our belovedness with a world desperate for it. Letting the world know that they're dear to the God who loves them. The New Testament gospel Speaks to individuals, draws us in as people, saved and grabbed and grasped by a God who loves us to whom we are dear. And then it even takes us further. In verse 3, we get a an even broader view of mission because it says in verse 3, Jesus appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about what? About the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Christian author and minister Alan Wakbayashi puts it this way. In Jesus, we see the kingdom of God touched down in first century Palestine. What do we mean by the kingdom of God? Well, wherever Jesus was, however he acted, that's God's reign breaking in. The healing of the sick, the care for the oppressed, the forgiveness of sins, assurance of God's love. In Jesus Christ, God's kingdom comes and our sins are dealt with. But as Pastor Rakamayashi points out, our sins being dealt with is just part of an even bigger program of God restoring the entire whole creation. As Paul says in Colossians 1, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him in Christ and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Not just a reference to individuals being saved, although that is very true and we hold that dear. But that is part of a bigger program of love, divine reigning everywhere. When divine love reigns, when forgiveness reigns, when people are fed, when the bullied are stood up for. In those places, the kingdom breaks in. It'll never be completely here until Jesus comes again. But we, as people, grasped and gripped and pulled in and loved and endeared by God, we can set up little outposts of it, little previews of it, as a sign that God came to fix it all, fix everything. And while that will never be completed, this side of heaven, there will be signs of what's coming Everywhere. As we are obedient to him. This is mission. This is what kingdom is code for. The rule of God breaking in. This is what Jesus talks to disciples about. As they experience interpersonal interaction and connection with him. He also proclaims an even even bigger program. Our coming to God as individuals. As part of his bigger program. To save the world. On one occasion. Verse 4. While he was eating with them. He gave them this command. And here comes the program, but it may not be what we think. So he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they met together and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So now they're asking about the program. That are right there saying, okay, we know you love us. You know, we love you. You're back. But what does this mean for the big picture? See, they're on to it. They're on to the fact that there's some kind of a bigger program here. And then listen to what he says in verse 7. It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. He doesn't rebuke them, notice, so much as he redirects them. We all need that sometimes. Sometimes we all need to be redirected daily, maybe sometimes hourly, right? Whatever our agendas bring up, whatever direction we're heading in, I know I benefit from regularly checking in with Jesus, going, okay, I'm moving in this direction. Is this how you're moving? Lord, is this the time you want to do this or are we doing this? And I need to check in with him as my air boss regularly, right, to tell me where to point, where to point the power, because listen, verse 8, he says, but you will receive power. Now, at this point, as they're listening, they, they've they got to be going, okay, here comes the power. Maybe he's going to restore Israel now. Maybe we're going to get back on top against Rome. Here comes the victory. Here comes success. Here we go. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here's the program. Here's the big picture. We are loved and held and endeared, brought in as his dear ones, to be sent to proclaim everywhere. Rather than solidifying political power, as the disciples were wanting him to do, is this the time you're going to restore Israel? Rather than even establishing what for them would be successful, right, Are you you going to give us a a spot to reign from? Are you going to put us on top? Are you going to make us raging successes? Are you going to give us prosperity? No, Jesus says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. And then he says, in all Judea, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria until the very ends of the earth. Here we have a radiating gospel of grace. Unstoppable, pushed out. This is the program. This is where the power goes. It goes outward, beyond the borders. It knows no borders. Notice, isn't it interesting? They want to focus on Israel's future. And he directs them to the world's future. In Jesus' future, the entire world is going to hear about him. And that includes the Jewish people. But it also includes the Samaritans who they hated. And it also includes witness that spans the worldwide globe. This is the bigness of the heart of God. As we find out from Theophilus, from the first name, meaning dear to God, we then move in the space of a few verses to find out The whole world is a Theophilus. The whole world is dear to him, and that's the program that the power pushes us out on. If we think of our lives in concentric circles, we could think here of the, uh, as he says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Right, it gets bigger and bigger. We can think of the MPC campus our Christian education building, the awesome new uh, uh, children's chapel, kids' chapel, all of our ministries here, Hilltoppers, children's ministry, and then Makotio and Everett, and then Pacific Northwest and the states and the whole globe. Or if you just think of your own life as concentric circles, your family, your neighborhood, your friends, your workmates, And then people you see wherever you go. And maybe some of us will be called to go out and about beyond either short-term or long-term. But the mentality is you start at the bullseye and then it radiates out. The dear to Godness that is in Theophilus' name cannot be contained. It cannot be contained. And that is the program. That is the power. It goes up and expands out. And it can't be stopped, but it starts with individual people and then radiates. We always say, whether we get one kid or five kids or 25 kids or 205 kids in our ministry over here, we're going to love each one of them and cherish each one. And that's true for everybody in our church. Everyone is a Theophilus dear to God. But as we live into that, God is going to push us out. And as we live in our bullseye, wherever we live, in our homes, and our families, that is where it starts. And then as we move through our day in the spirit, God will push us out and expand out his reach through us. This is mission. This is the heart of God. And we have to look at the Samaritans because the Samaritans were people that were looked down upon by the Jews. They were considered half-breeds. And who in your life, we have to ask, and this is included, who have you given up on? Who do you think, no way, <laughs> not going there? Because in some way, God's gonna give you an opportunity to go there in whatever way, in a, in a loving heart or words to say or, or, or even a kind text or a kind gesture or service or sacrifice. You're gonna get pushed out. This is what this power does. This is where the Erebus takes us. Power. I was watching the seven four, the last seven four, take off on my phone. I was watching on this app. This was this week, you know, we had the last seven forty-seven made here. And it took off. I heard it, its engines roar. I said, I bet that's the new seven so four. Cause I knew the night before it was it was featured and John Travolta was here, it was a big deal, and they towed it over to the other side, and, and I and I was taking the Jack to school. I said, I bet that's the 7-4 taking off. Sure enough, looked on my phone. There's an app you can get to track. It took off. It flew down to, uh, Renton, probably, I think circled at about 2,000 feet, kind of circled the plant down there and then came back up here. And just as I was coming around, I took Jack to the bus stop. Then I went because I thought maybe it was going to land at the, at the pain field again. It didn't land. What it did was it did a final two to 300 foot low pass. And then just as my car, I was coming around the highway heading toward the church. It flew right over the front of my car. It was really fun. Not right over, but a couple, few hundred feet. But do you know the power of those four engines? That thing, just a few minutes later, was probably at 10 or 12,000 feet. I think he was showing off in his way to climb. Stretching the legs of that new beautiful bird, right? How does God want to push you out and stretch your legs the 7-4 has those wonderful, what are they, GE engines, next-gen GE engines in them, incredible. We got the Holy Spirit. We got the dunamis of the Holy Spirit in us. And that power it can radiate at the kitchen, at the dinner table with your wife and kids, and your husband and kids, your spouses, your friends. It can radiate among friends of yours at Starbucks. It can radiate on people you've never met. And it'll take you to surprising places. Maybe faster than you think you could wind up soaring. It can happen. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who goes and pushes us outward to the Theophilus is dear to God. To let the world know they are indeed dear to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this text today. Thank you for your power. Thank you for blessing us with mission to share with dear ones how dear that they are. You have done that for us and now help us to do that faithfully by your grace. Amen.